So we're in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 11, it reads this. It says, and the Lord said to me, arise, go on your journey at the head of the people so that they may go in and possess the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. And now Israel, what does the Lord God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul. Everybody say all. And to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Everybody say today. God, I just thank you for this word. I thank you that you would speak to your people exactly where they are by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray it would fall on good soil and it would produce a harvest in them and in us of 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Awesome. If you're taking notes or if you're following along, the title of today's talk is called Let's Go. Let's Go. go. We're taking ground this year. Some context of this scripture in Deuteronomy, you know, God is officially now like leading the people of Israel into the the promised land. But they've been spending 40 years in the wilderness. And God has actually been with the people in the wilderness, which shows how awesome God is. But they didn't have to be in the wilderness. So we can learn from Israel. Paul actually says in the New Testament that here are some warnings because we don't have, we can, we can learn from what they did and and not do it so we don't have to stay in the wilderness. And, but I do want to remind you that, that there is a promise for your life. There is a plan for your life that is God-given. He has somewhere he wants to take you for each and every single person in this room. Amen. You know, every year at the beginning of the year, it's been about seven years, which I've, I've been trying to take this more serious, is I actually take the first week and I just seek God. You know, I, I remove myself from uh, some things that maybe won't help me get some clear, um, some clear things from God. And we even like fast as a church. Anybody join the seven-day fast? And, and we do this just to get a word. And, and many times, and, and honestly, that's, that's kind of the theme of Deuteronomy. It's, it's, it's instruction and then it's obedience. And I, I, I need to get a word from God because I don't want to go through the year my way. And more than a word, because some of us get words from God, like a word, like, yeah, it's the year of faith. That's cool. It's, it's, it's the year of, of love for me. But it, what is the instruction? And I remember so clearly, it was like the Wednesday of, the, of a fast. And I came out of my office, I went to Amanda in tears, and I said, I feel like I, I feel what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do this year. And he gave me the word, and it came with an instruction. And I honestly feel this is a prophetic word for our church as it aligns with taking ground. But the word is this. You have the permission to proceed. That you have the permission from God to proceed. You might have been waiting for man's approval or permission to go, but God's saying, I've given you the go, so go and get it. Amen. And whatever word God tells you, you can, you can stand on that word. You know, Matthew 14, the, the disciples are in a boat and there's like storms and waves going crazy and they see this person in the distance and they're afraid. But they find out, they, they see, it looks like Jesus. And, and, and Peter says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out. Because Peter knew if, if Jesus said it, then you can stand on it. It doesn't matter if it's wavy or watery. You could stand on God's word because it's a firm foundation. Amen. But there was an asterisk. The asterisk to this instruction. So we have the permission to proceed. But here's the asterisk. It says, so that, 
so that they may enter and possess the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. And so this was the asterisk. The asterisk was, if I don't go, they don't get. If I don't obey, they won't obtain. That our obedience is directly connected to other people's inheritance. Your yes from God can be the open door for others to meet him. I'm grateful we had pastors that said yes from a word from God and it opened up the opportunity for many people like you and I to, to meet with God and to hear with God. And so who is they? They is your, your kids. They is your spouse. They is your coworkers. And we can rob them from actually meeting God by not stepping into what God's calling us to do. So what is it going to take for us to take ground? I believe this scripture in Deuteronomy gives us the framework and and really, it, it masks this, this more than an idea. It kind of gives you us the one thing we need to do, this, the requirement for taking ground. And I'll be talking from this in this uh, sermon, but it's, it's to fear the Lord. I'm just going to give it to you straight. <laughs> to fear the Lord. I don't know what you think about when I say you got to fear the Lord because fear has a negative connotation in culture. And we, we've been inundated with the word fear the last three and some odd years, and it's just a negative term, but to fear the Lord is a good thing. It's to have this awe, this reverence, this respect for God because he's God. It's to consider him. Like more than me just doing what I want to do, I want to consider what God says about things. It's to acknowledge him. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Exactly. Because if we don't acknowledge him, God's like, "Uh uh-uh. That's so funny. You know what's funny? The Grammys are tonight, and watch people are gonna people are gonna win, and they're gonna they're gonna be like, "That's on God." <laughs> but we want to acknowledge God, and and to fear God isn't to be terrified or afraid of Him. It's to be terrified or afraid of your life apart from Him. And so, how do you know if you have the fear of the Lord? Does it draw you closer to God, or do you distance yourself from God? You know what? Something I've learned is. You could never get intimate with somebody you're afraid of. If, if, if your wife or your kids are afraid when you come home, there's no intimacy there. I hope, hey, babe, oh, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> but God wants us to be close to him. So we shouldn't confuse justification and sanctification. Because the fear of the Lord is this virtue that that when we're justified, when we get right with God in that moment where you make that decision, it's all because of the work of God, the finished work of Jesus. It now, we now step into this place of what is called sanctification. And in Exodus 20, 20, Moses says to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you. Look at, God has come. We're, we're talking about close words here. God has come to test you so that the fear of the Lord will be with you to keep you from sinning. Philippians 2, Paul says, in the B clause, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out. This fear in the New Testament is a withdrawal. So, th- so what it really looks like is withdraw from the very things that aren't conducive to your walk with the Lord. And so if you're in an environment that's not helping your walk, maybe you need to withdraw. If there's a relationship that's not leading you closer to Jesus, you might need to withdraw And so we withdraw from the things that keep us away from God. Lastly, Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of wisdom. So it starts with the fear of the Lord. And then in Ecclesiastes, check this out, 12:13. This is the, the, the last chapter in Ecclesiastes. And that's the whole story. Here is now my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. It's the beginning. It's the end. It's, it, it's, it's about fearing God. And I would argue if you have gotten good wisdom and it didn't, wasn't rooted in the fear of the Lord, it's probably just good information. It's probably just good ideas. But if you want the heavenly wisdom that comes down from heaven for us to take ground, we must fear the Lord. And I love that Deuteronomy gives us this framework or, or essentially the fruit of what the fear of the Lord looks like in our lives. And so I'll be, let's break it down. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, you've got to trade your way for his way. Trade your way for his way. Verse 12 says, to walk in all his ways. God has a way. And God has a bias. God knows his way is better than our ways. And I would even tell you that God's way is the best way from experience. And, you know, oftentimes we can come to God, trust Jesus with our lives, but then we don't change our ways. And if, it, if we're not living God's way, it's one of three ways. We're either living our way, culture's way, or the enemy's way. The problem with those three paths is that they're always ever-changing. And that's what culture and the enemy is always trying to get us to, to live this way, think this way, be this way, act this way. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This word truth is reality. I am, I am the real thing. You get, when you go his way, you get the real thing. It's an opposite of illusion. And so truth is defined. It's indisputable. Truth is fact. And so when you go God's way, it's solid. But here's, here's, the, here's the, the craziest thing about taking ground and your promised land. The promised land and the way to get there is connected. We cannot get to the promised land and go our own way. You know what's so funny is Amanda and I, we have our, our daughter Ruby, and she turned four in November, so we had a four-year-old during Christmas. Oh, man, it's so fun. <laughs> Something about Christmas season and four-year-olds brings out the best in them, I tell you what. <laughs> this was kind of like the first year we were able to, like, promise her something, like, you know, or, and, and she was able to choose. She was like, she wanted a Barbie dream house. I was like, Ruby, you're going to get a Barbie dream house this Christmas. But something about the Christmas season, and she just acts for, and that's okay. She would act up, and I'd be like, Ruby, be careful. You might lose your Barbie dream house. And this is what's so funny. I did not teach her this. We didn't teach her this. This is what Ruby's response is. That's not how it works. I was like, what, girl? It works the way I say it works. But we do the same thing with God. God gives us a promise, and the promise comes with a plan. And we amen the promise. Amen, God, we want that, the, the milk and the honey and all that stuff. And when he's like, all right, this is the way it's going to go. This is how it's going to take. We're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I just love the promise. We amen the promise, but disagree with the way. Come on, somebody. Could it be? Could it be that your way is what's keeping you in the wilderness? Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they wanted to have it their way. Ate way too much Burger King. 
if you're in the wilderness, it's on you, boo-boo. <laughs> but could it be that prolonged wilderness seasons just come from trying to get to where God has promised us our own way? God gives us a way to do things, and then we always challenge it. God says, forgive them as I forgave you. And we go, oh, man, I'll just never talk to him. I forgive him. God says, bless your enemies. And we say, get them, Lord. <laughs> but not with blessing. With a lightning bolt. Trust me with your finances. Bring the tithes to the storehouse. You know, I, I give big in the, to the waiter. And I, I give to a, 20 bucks to a thousand organizations. No, bring your tithes to the storehouse. We always challenge the way. God says, if you want to be great, be the greatest servant. And then we go, man, I'm just listening and waiting on God to tell me when to serve. God has a way. Everybody say, God has a way. This reminds me of what Pastor Jabin talked about last week, about how it takes faith and wisdom. We need, we need faith for the promise, to believe the promise is, it is good and it is good. But we also need the wisdom for the plan to get there. And so it goes hand in hand. So why should I trust his way? Maybe you're sitting in this room or thinking to yourself, and why should I trust his way? Well, I'm glad you asked. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Because he's higher. You know, organizations and businesses and corporations, they, they usually bring somebody from the outside in, and they pay them a lot of money to come in and tell us and show us what we're doing wrong. Because these people give them a 30,000 feet up view of what it is they're doing. Because in the day-to-day, -day, it's kind of hard to see. God always has that 30,000 feet up. He can always see more than you see or see uh, what you're not doing, what you could be doing. God always sees what we can and, and what we won't. But another reason we can trust God is because it's for our good. Do you know that? that God, God's promise and plan is for your good? Jeremiah 29.10, it says, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. Many times we think we're going to lose if we go to God's way. That's not true. Prosper is a good word. We've made it a bad word. And God wants to lead us to that land. That is flowing. Anybody want some flowing in your life? So you can't have the promised land and choose your way to get there. And also love that it says that we are to walk in all his ways. Everybody say all. all. Not the partial path. Not the path of least resistance. And you can't inherit the promise by being partial. You know, some of us in this room, we're not bad people. We're just not all in with God. We're partial. We, 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 we sometimes do bare minimum, and just enough. Reminds me, me and a man have been in a car rental for like three months. And good night. That's a long time to rent somebody else's car. But we got in an accident. And, uh, you know, so I, I had to switch out the car. They needed it. And so I, I called the guy at Enterprise. And I'm like, yo, where was the gas tank at when I picked it up? And he was like, it was like halfway. I was like, cool. Went to the gas station. Watched it go halfway, boom, brought it back to Enterprise. I'm like, here you go, you got your card, just how you gave it. But God's not like that with us. God goes all the way with us. He's not partial. The Bible even says, for God shows no partiality. 
And so we shouldn't be partial with God because he's not partial with us. Come on, anybody grateful God's not partial? He will go the distance. He doesn't just want to get you to heaven. He doesn't just want to heal you, just want you to be blessed financially. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Isaiah 43, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. When you go God's way, he, he just has a way of making new ways. Matthew 16, J- Jesus says to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. We all need this moment, a moment where we just give, it, give up our, our own way. For me, this happened in 2011. I was, I was in college. I had a plan. I was doing Army ROTC at UNLV. I was one of the top cadets because I was going to go combat arms. I was hua. If you're in the Army, you know what that means. If you're not, you're like, is that a verb, a noun? What is hua? Hua is hua, is what they would say. And then God got a hold of my life, literally in, in, a, in the Christmas season of 2011. And, and my desires began to change. My plans began to change. And, and I, I did finish it out, but I, it wasn't the way I had in mind my own way. And I'm glad God changed my, my way. But we all need this moment. So we ought to trust in his ways. Amen? Number two, give him your whole heart. Give him your whole heart. Verse 12 says, love and serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Just want to encourage you and, and, and clear the air. We're not into behavior modification We want your walk with the Lord to be rooted in heart transformation. When it becomes about behavior, it becomes about rules and regulations, do's and don'ts, and that's not God's heart for you. God wants a relationship with you, but that happens when he gets a hold of your heart. And when the Bible actually uses uh, words like heart and soul, I think oftentimes we can think in our modern day vernacular that it's just like a part of us, you know, like that's my inner me, my innermost me, my, my parts that are talking to me. But really, uh, theologians would, would talk and describe that it's actually you as a whole. Your heart means you, like all of you. So we, have, we see in Samuel, it says, man look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. So men look at a part of you. God looks at all of you. And that's what God wants. God, God wants all of you. So the question isn't necessarily, does God have my heart and soul? No, the better question is, does God have all of me? My weaknesses, my strengths, my shortcomings, the best of me, the worst of me. Does God have all of me? You know, and, and referring, this scripture is referring to, to um, Deuteronomy 6 where it actually says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now keep that up there for a second. I want to say first, the order matters. It has to start at your heart. And then it gets to your soul. And then it gets to your might. And if we undo that order, it becomes religion. If it starts with our might and we're trying to prove to God he has our heart and soul, then that's religion. But if he gets a hold of your heart and your soul, you get intimacy, you get relationship. Amen. And I would argue many of us in this room probably have the order right. You probably have that order but we stop at soul. God's got all my heart. He's got all my soul. All right. No, it should lead to might. It should lead to action. 
We shouldn't stop there. Loving your God with your heart and soul manifests in might. Yes. What's might? Might is action. Might, might is, is, is setting up and tearing down on a Sunday. Might is holding a baby in the kids' ministry. Might is opening up a door for somebody. Might is actually living like a Christian. Because <laughs> that's how people will see what God has done in our heart. When it goes together, it affects our might. And if, if, if it doesn't do that, then we, could, we, we, can, we can ask the question, are you loving God with your might? I love what Eugene Peterson says in Matthew 5 in the message paraphrase. He says, here's another way to put it, because Omar needs help. No, I'm just kidding. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public uh, as a city on a hill. If, you are, if I make you light bearers, don't you think, you don't think I'm going to put you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Everybody say shine. shine. Keep your house open. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others, and you'll prompt people to open up with God. For this generous Father in heaven. So I don't just close my eyes and, and just pray under my breath. And, no, it, 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 shows, it shows in our might. Yeah. I felt this supernatural call to ministry and business when I was around 20 years old. And I, I, I spent a long time compartmentalizing my calling. Because I thought ministry was, was saved for the four walls of the church. But then God got a, convicted my heart. He said, no, Omar, it's all ministry. I want to encourage you, it's all ministry. Your family, ministry. Your workplace, ministry. Your friends, ministry. Share your testimony. Invite people to church. Use your gifts, talents, and abilities. Pray for your coworkers. God's got ground, but it's on us to take it. Amen? Amen. As the keys come up. Number three, obey him today. What is it going to take for us to take ground? We must obey him today. Verse 13 says, observe the Lord's commandments and decrees that I am giving you today. Everybody say today. today. Parents know this. You don't need to teach your kid the word no. They just got it from thin air. And then it becomes their favorite word. Hey, Ruby, you, uh, it's time to eat. No. Hey, Ruby, come over here. No. Hey, Ruby, let's clean up your toy. No. I'll catch her in this no flow, and I'll even say cool things like, let's go to Disneyland then. No. I'm like, what about Chick-fil-A? No. I'm like, you love Disneyland, you love Chick-fil-A. But something happens when she says, yes, Papa. I'm like, whoa, let's go. Ruby, you're getting older, girl. And you know, the way you can measure your spiritual maturity is by the speed of your obedience. If you look back a year ago today, do you, are you quicker to obey God or are you quicker to delay? The preacher once said that delayed obedience is disobedience. And God's asking us, hey, when I say it, do it. <laughs> You'll get my attention. And the fear of the Lord truly is this awareness that God is present here now today. It reminds me of this story that we find in, in Luke 19 where, where Jesus is coming into this town and he meets this man and changes his life in a day. This guy's name is Zacchaeus. He's a little man with deep pockets. 
He actually climbs up on this tree to see Jesus as he comes into town. And we'll pick up at verse five. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him, welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be with the guest of a sinner. And I just, I just say, God will always use a sinner who's quick to obey. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Look at Jesus' response. Today, salvation has come to this house because of this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of the man has, not come, to, has come to seek and save the lost. Notice the pattern of this day. Something happened to Zacchaeus in that day. What would it look like if we lived like God was actually present in this very moment? That he was present today because he is, he's ever present. He's our ever present help in time of need. So God could actually do the thing today. He could bring the healing today. He could bring the provision today. He could bring the clarity today. He could bring the boldness today, the wisdom today, the miracle, signs, wonders today. Everybody say today. And can I remind you, this is for your good. This is for your good. Obedience always leads to blessing. And this is his plan for your life. If you're a seasoned saint or you don't even know who I'm talking about right now, God's plan for your life is good. Amen. You know, I'm reading this book and it's, it's a business book. It's, it kind of helps you come up with a, an irresistible offer. But the title of the book kind of caught my attention. It said, how to make an offer so good people feel dumb for saying no. I was like, I like that. But it got me thinking, God's given us an irresistible offer. What if I told you that God has an offer today, that he's offering you eternal life security in heaven. You don't have to wait until you die to find out. He'll actually guarantee you the Holy Spirit that will seal the deal. And he promises he'll lead you and guide you every day of your life. You will live a life filled with purpose, peace despite the chaos, hope despite the despair, joy despite the mourning. And I've taken this offer, it is better. It's better than a life I had. But here's the caveat, the work's already done. The price has been paid and you have to accept it today just as you are. That's the caveat. With every head bowed and every eye closed, people wanna make that decision today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so I'm gonna lead you in this prayer and everyone's gonna repeat this prayer after me, but it's gonna mean so much more to you. Everybody say, dear Jesus, I believe what you've done on the cross and the finished work. So I receive the forgiveness of my sin, past, future, today. Holy Spirit, come on in, make me new, seal the deal, and may I never be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God some glory for all those that just made that decision. Amen.